A quick note before we get started. This episode is part of a series of shows we recorded on the floor of the Phoenix Convention Center during the Association of Corporate Council's 2019 annual meeting. I wanted to point that out in case you're curious about the background noises. I also wanted to thank the ACC for helping make these episodes possible. Now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone, to the In-House Roundhouse, where in-house lawyers, outside counsel, and industry experts gather around to discuss current events and best practices. I'm your host, Mark Enriquez. I'm a commercial litigator with Womble Bond Dickinson. With me, as always, is my producer, Brian Ewing. I have two guests with me today to talk about something that I think is very important and very positive. Uh, it is the Mansfield Rule. So please let me welcome Diana Toman and Kathy Hinger to the podcast. Diana, Kathy, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Mark. Um, I know, Diana, you're a veteran chief legal officer. Uh, Catherine is a tremendous trial lawyer at Wombleban Dickinson's D.C. office. She's also heads up our women's leadership program <laughs> there at the firm, and she's been very active and successful in that. So I appreciate uh, your efforts there, Kathy. Uh, but if that wasn't enough, you've got important day jobs, but you're also real advocates of diversity in the legal industry. And I think that's hugely important. And I wanted to talk about something that I think is relatively new, only in the last few years, something called the Mansfield Rule. I know we've been talking about it at Womble Bond Dickinson. Womble is proud to be a participant in that. And I think other people, both outside firms, but also in-house departments, have been wondering, what is this? What can we do to improve? our diversity, and it's gained a lot of momentum since its launch back uh, in 2017. But again, I still think there's people that either don't know what it is or may have heard the name and don't don't understand what it is. Um, maybe, Diana, can you just tell us a little bit of background of how we got to the, to the Mansfield rule? Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. As a huge football fan, I love my Kansas City Chiefs. I find it easiest to explain it to individuals who haven't been involved with the Mansfield rule in terms of the NFL. As many people know, the NFL came out with the Rooney rule, which encourages um, teams to consider diverse candidates for the head coaching position. And in 2016, there was a diversity in law hackathon, and the winning idea out of that came with the Mansfield rule, named after Arabella Mansfield, who was the first woman over, well, right now, 150 years ago, who became licensed to practice law in the U.S. And the idea was to encourage law firms to promote women within the firm. Mm. And as that idea progressed, because the focus of the diversity hackathon was women in the profession, it's a timeout. We need to do women and um, lawyers of color. So the pilot was launched in 2017 and encouraged law firms to consider any lateral or um, leadership positions. 30% of the interview slate or the candidate slate needed to include women or attorneys of color. This has evolved over the last three years, and it now includes LGBTQ plus attorneys as well as attorneys with disabilities. And then lastly, um, this year, which I'm thrilled to share, um, they've added a legal department addition too. So it's not only law firms being engaged, it's also legal departments holding themselves accountable and having a measurable, transparent way to do so. 
Gotcha. So just like the Rooney Rule, the focus is on that applicant pool and making sure you've got at least 30% that are in those categories. That's that's the essence of the rule? Absolutely. So it's no quotas. It's not like you must hire X. But the idea is when you level the playing field and you expand your candidate pool to have more than just, say, one woman or one lawyer of color, the likelihood that that individual will be judged or, or reviewed and interviewed based on their qualifications versus that person's the diverse candidate, that person's the female candidate, and is now looked at as one of five candidates, the opportunity for that person increases and the likelihood is that they will have more chance of being hired. Gotcha. And I would just add that um, as we talk about candidates and applicants, the rule doesn't just apply to lateral attorneys that were being recruited as a sort of traditional um, lateral move. It also applies to our existing lawyers that already work within the firm. So we need to focus both on the new hires coming in as well as our existing lawyers who are already in the pipeline being considered for leadership positions within the firm and equity partner elevation. I got you. So when you're making partner selections, the, the Mansfield rule says you're going to have a 30% in that group. In other words, it's not just hiring. It also is going to be partner promotions. Yes, equity partner promotions, senior lateral hires, client pitches, and leadership positions. Because we know that there's been a a significant pipeline of diverse and certainly gender and attorneys of color pipeline coming into the legal profession. But actually ascending to leadership positions has been where there's been the drop-off. Gotcha. What, what does it take to be Mansfield certified? What's that process and how many law firms have gone through that? So the number expands every year. I'm so thrilled um, to share that. You know, we started out with around 40-ish lawyer, or law firms, and now we're well over 100 plus. Wow, that's uh, great over 70 legal departments of big companies and small companies alike um, supporting and showing their commitment to diversity in law. Now, that's that's fantastic. Um, Now, you mentioned the legal department. I know that's a fairly new portion of the Mansfield Rule, right, to have legal departments involved? It is. It became effective in July 2019, and I'm really pleased my company, under my leadership, was one of the first companies to sign on uh, in the spring of 2019 to make that commitment. That's terrific. That's great. I'm glad to... I'd also add, Mark, on that, on the legal department's involvement, there's actually some more expansive ways that the legal departments can support the success and the mission of the Mansfield rule. So while the law firms can follow the rule and make sure that we're reviewing the candidates that we need to be reviewing for promotion, once they're promoted, how are they going to succeed? And that's where the the legal departments can really help. So the Diversity Lab has a couple of programs. Um, They have a client forum. So if you want to participate as a legal department, you can send some of your in-house lawyers to participate in the client forum. And the client forum is an opportunity for in-house lawyers to meet with outside counsel who were promoted, uh, Mansfield Ah. certified firms who promote their diverse candidates, then send their diverse candidates to get together with in-house lawyers. It gives them an opportunity to network with like-minded in-house lawyers. And there are success stories about business generation coming out immediately for those diverse candidates. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, that's terrific. That sounds good. There's also the Move the Needle Fund, which the Diversity Lab is sponsoring. So there's ways 
ways to monetarily support innovative initiatives and testing that the Diversity Lab is undertaking. So and there's internship opportunities. So the Diversity Lab has sort of all these collateral support areas for the legal departments to participate in addition to doing it themselves. That's great. And I think for law departments, I think I've seen reference to both um, supporting members and participating members. Is mm -hmm. that, are those like two different tiers or how, how does that work? Yeah, there's two different groups. So the supporting group was the group that committed to doing supporting the law firm's progress in the Mansfield role. So the client okay. forums, as Kathy mentioned, and I'll just put a plug in for it. <laughs> it was a fabulous event. I went and I also brought one of my junior attorneys with me. And we shared insight about how we as in-house lawyers look for outside counsel, what our expectations of those relationships are, billing. So really tried to educate. Because if somebody doesn't tell you these things, you find them out when you've been practicing 20 years. And this was kind of a way for us to share information and help um, help our diverse attorneys have an edge in understanding how we hire them. And the second part was the networking. It was so much fun to get to know this diverse group of attorneys and how they're thinking and to really hear how the firms are, whether or not they're really committed. And hearing that from these young attorneys or new to leadership positions was, was fabulous. So there's my plug for the client forums. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and then the legal department edition. So there's over 70 lawyers that are part of are supporting the Mansfield role. The legal department edition came about last spring and then was effective. The, the certification year is from July 2019 through July 2020. And this is the pilot of the legal department edition. And what we had to commit to as a legal department is that 50% of our candidates slate for hires and internal promotions would be diverse candidates in those four categories we discussed, as well as 50% um, of our outside counsel would be, um, that would be considered would have diversity impacts. Okay, gotcha. That's great. Kathy, what kind of impact are we seeing in law firms from the Mansfield rule? Well, what's interesting is that this isn't something where a law firm can say, oh, I follow this best practice. You actually have to sign on to the program, be recognized as part of the program, and then meet your benchmarks and offer certifications so that you, okay. your participation is validated by a third party. It also requires all these law firms to connect with one another. And so whereas law firms have all traditionally been competing against one another, we're actually coming together and sharing the best practices because mm. this is a whole new system, right? We're breaking a uh, history of, of a promotions practice that in traditional law firms has been relationship driven. Um, it's been driven by a lot of intangibles. I know for our firm, for example, we had to firm up our position descriptions for different right. leadership positions. And so what the rule does is it requires law firms to really focus on their process and put processes and structures in place where they may not have been so firm traditionally. And then you have to have data collection. There has to be a way to measure where are we having qualifying events, whether it's a lateral hire or whether it's a promotion. And we've got to look at, you know, 70% of those need to have 30% uh, of the candidates being considered fit the definition of diversity under the Mansfield rule. And so how do you collect all that data? The only way to do that is to assemble a task force at the firm 
that really implements a new kind of compliance program that firms have not dealt with before. Um, so at our firm, we have a member of our executive committee who is also a voting member of the firm management committee heading up that task force because it's so important and imperative that we get it right. But it brings in all the other levels of the directors of recruiting, the directors of professional development, and then we need to know that every practice group leader is educated and invested because they are the ones that are making decisions about internal promotions. And then the whole recruiting team is looking at it and, and reaching out to the headhunters. So there's massive extensions and a real infrastructure that have gone into place that is just culturally forcing the law firms to pay attention and to change in a positive way that maybe we all hadn't slowed down and had time to think about before. So right. it's really very successful. No, I think that's exciting. And, and that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Diana is a chief legal officer. What, what does being Manfield certified tell you about a law firm? It tells me that the law firm is truly committed to diversity and inclusion. A lot of law firms, particularly over the last 10 years, have quite honestly paid lip service to diversity and inclusion. So they may have brought a woman or an attorney of color to a pitch, but that individual never touched my work. And being able to figure that out isn't always easy at the front end. Where the Mansfield role and the auditing efforts that the Diversity Lab has taken to ensure that the data that's produced is accurate. And when I compare Womble to another Mansfield firm, I know that the data is the same. And so I can see the progress that Womble is making versus Brian Cave. And then I'm also comparing firms who aren't involved. And while they may say they have a diversity program, where are their numbers? And do their numbers really align? And seeing the impact that the Mansfield role has had on the legal profession, both within firms, but also within my department too, and other legal departments where you're intentional about who you're choosing and why you're choosing it and supporting the firms that are trying to make a difference. This is a journey. We're not gonna go from, hey, we wanna have a diverse and inclusive industry to we've got it. You have to put right. the work in and seeing the firms that are really committed and sometimes you trip along the way, but the idea that you're really making a difference and you're really trying and committed and putting the resources as Kathy's outlined and tells me that we are going to get to the right place and I'm super excited about it. No, I, I think that's a great point. I mean, there's the old adage that if you don't measure it, you can't care about it. And I think this is by creating those tracking structures that Kathy talked about and, and placing emphasis on it and a spotlight on it, it gains that importance and gives you something to see how, how are we doing, how can we do better. And I, I think that's I think that's really significant. Well, so. and we have lots of anecdotal stories about a woman or an attorney of color and an LGBTQ plus attorney who has been sponsored by a non-diverse attorney. Every firm has that story. But the reality is, are you making incremental improvements year over year to move the needle? And the Mansfield rule shows me that very easily in a nice, concise way. And then I know that I'm having an impact as a GC supporting the Mansfield rule and the firms that are participating. I think another interesting impact, which is just sort of an intangible, is the springboard that being a Mansfield certified participating law firm gives to the diverse attorneys within the firm. You know, sometimes it's hard to speak up and say something. And you know, we've all had in, uh, diversity and inclusion training throughout the firm. And so in that process, we've talked about, you know, when do you speak up? When do you try to correct something, um, whether it's intentional or unintentional? And 
being able to, I think, all identify as, hey, we're a Mansfield firm. We're a Mansfield firm. We need to talk about this. I think it's helped to open the door for some of those courageous conversations that might otherwise be a little bit intimidating or daunting. And so I think it's just opened Mm -hmm. a dialogue that's just nice and refreshing and helps to create a comfortable atmosphere. Yeah, no, that's a great point, because I do think these can be awkward topics that I think some people, and probably particularly the older, more established you know, partners, may not want to really talk about or focus on. And so to give you a framework for that dialogue can be a really important tool to say, look, we're measuring it, we're tracking it, let's, let's do that. I think that's a great point. I, I know there may be other companies and organizations other than law firms that are interested? Are there opportunities for other people? In other words, can you take, whether it's the Rooney Rule or the Mansfield Rule, do you see other ways to expand the application of this? Because it really does seem like an innovative and impactful idea. Absolutely. So I think, you know, as my company was really focused on moving diversity and inclusion forward within our company, the discussion went broader than that. If we this is truly aligned with our values, then we need to make sure that our vendors and suppliers do the same thing. And and we're doing the same thing, right? It's not we can't just want it. We have to actually do measurable things and track what we're doing. And so not only did we do this support the Mansfield rule for firms, we've signed on for the legal department addition so that we can hold ourselves accountable. But also talking to your procurement team and saying, hey, here's how this is being structured. These are the expectations. And it might not be a pickup and, you know, one size fits all, but it is getting the the conversation started and how to approach it in a different way so that you can, you know, move the needle forward, not only just with your own HR hiring practices or for our purposes, the legal professional loan, but much broader. Gotcha. It would be nice, Mark, if other industries outside the legal profession start picking up on this as well, because sort of a, a parallel issue that we discuss a lot is the lack of women and minorities on corporate boards. Absolutely. And there's just as many initiatives trying to improve those numbers as we have trying to improve the number of women and minorities and the equity partner ranks at law firms. So I hope that this catches on and uh, that corporate America tries to adopt it and maybe the publicly traded companies that are being focused on their social responsibilities and really wanting to be meaningful and, and have impact will start picking it up too. I think it's a great, no, I think that's true. And I could see other professional groups, accounting groups, medical groups, you know, engineering. I mean, uh, there's a lot of areas where I think we see historic underrepresentation by women and some of the other groups are targeting here where I think it's potentially very broad application. And in a way that brings attention, brings opportunity, while avoiding some of the, you know, the quota idea that it creates a lot of resistance in folks. This seems like a, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a much better approach, I think, with wider acceptance. So I think it's exciting. Absolutely. And as we continue talking about it and having these courageous conversations, we help support that. You know, the accounting profession certainly has made a lot of strides in recruiting diverse attorneys, but actually retaining them and promoting them into leadership positions, they've struggled just as much as we have uh-huh. in the legal profession. Yep. And so something similar like this really could help evolve that. And, and I know that they're working on initiatives as well, but the idea of creating a framework that's transparent across various different providers is really helpful. And as their corporate clients are demanding that their suppliers be diverse and certainly inclusive, I think it can only benefit. I think that's great. I think you touched when I asked you about the history and some of the the kind of categories of diversity. 
I guess it started with women, and then we added racial diversity, then the LGBTQ plus and, and disabilities. Do you think, are, are there likely other categories that might be added in? Is there a discussion of expanding that, you know, what is diverse, you know, going forward? And obviously, some things change. I'm reminded there's some categories like LGBTQ plus that didn't exist 20 years ago. Um, so that's evolving. You know, are, are the categories and the areas something that you see changing over time? I, I Absolutely. I, I think the DNI journey is just that a journey and we need to continue to evolve and I think the diversity lab has done a really great job at this and that you know the pilot was started with gender and ethnic diversity the the next year they added LGBTQ plus the year uh-huh. after that disability and I think that's going to continue to to evolve and add more and more groups but I think particularly with a, a DNI initiative or project you really need to make sure that it's done right And Mm -hmm. so building upon, if you start with 50% of your population and you get the foundation correct, then you can continue to bring in other groups and really make meaningful change. But if you try to include everyone, everybody that has any kind of definition of being diverse initially, you're not going to be successful. I found that internally with our own projects and movements for changing our culture to make it more inclusive and diverse but also certainly within the legal profession. So, you know, if you think about how um, companies in corporate America define diversity, it's much broader than these things. And I think each year or maybe every other year, the Diversity Lab will continue to evolve that. But it's important for the law firms to get that tracking right. And certainly the difference between visual and non-visual diversity adds a level of complexity. And I think there needs to be trust within the legal profession that if you self-identify, that's not going to hurt you or, you know, have you be chosen because of your diverse status. As a diverse attorney, no one wants to be chosen because they're diverse. They want to be chosen because they're the right fit for the firm or for the law department. And so making sure that we build that trust and as we evolve through the Mansfield rule and improve, I think we will gain that trust and we'll be able to expand beyond even visual diversity categories. That's great. Um, I mean, you're both very prominent women lawyers. We've got some women lawyers have achieved leadership position. I'm proud to be one of the very few firms with an all-women executive committee and a woman leading the firm. But there's obviously a long way to go. We can dig into statistics if we want to. One thing, you know, that I think some people wonder, we see graduation rates now over 50% are women. Do the two of you see a time where, you know, being a woman will will not be considered diverse or that you'll ha- have removed categories like being a woman out of the Mansfield rule? Mark, I think for the foreseeable future that women are going to have to be included in the category of the historically underrepresented um, because we today are underrepresented in the equity ranks of law firms. So yes, there's 50% of the students coming out of law schools are women. About 47% of the new recruits out of law school into law firms are women. But when we get to the equity levels here in 2018, 2019, it's across the board at big law firms, about 20% of the equity partners are women. So we're going from 40 
47% of the young attorney population being women to down to 20% by the time we get to partnership elevation. Mm. And unfortunately, since 2006, we've only progressed 8%. In 2006, it was 12% of the uh, law firm equity partners were women. So at that rate, we're looking at decades. I mean, decades before we get to any kind of gender parity at the equity level. And the statistics are, are really worse for uh, diverse partners as well, uh, ethnically and racially diverse partners. And I think we're just starting to get the statistics about LGBTQ plus and starting to trend those lines because we're starting to be able to measure that better. But it's a very stalled career trajectory. And so the hope is programs like Mansfield and talking about it and, and the the client forum and things like that will help to improve and accelerate that stalled trajectory. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and this, you know, I'm very hopeful that we will get there in my lifetime and that I won't be considered a diverse attorney. I'm a middle-class white woman who, until I was really in college, did I realize that maybe in my profession I might be considered diverse. Like, that didn't even enter my realm of thinking. But as I have worked through my profession, I am clearly a diverse attorney and professional. And, and I think you can see that in the statistics on a corporate side as well. You know, if you think about our employees, you know, our population, there's more than 50% women in the population. But for, you know, top executives, there's 26.5%, but only 11% are in the top five for S&P top five earners in any company for S&P 500. So that tells you that there is a breakdown. There, There is something that's happening there. But I do think the Mansfield rule and having these courageous conversations is going to help us move it and move it faster than what's predicted. At least yeah. I ho- I'm hopeful. You're hopeful. <laughs> I'm no, hopeful I'm too. Right. I'm hopeful too. No, I think it's a great initiative. I think, I mean, just again, tracking it, it's going to be able to measure that progress and bring it some of the attention it needs. Um, we talked earlier about different disabilities. And while someone's race or maybe an obvious physical disability may be visually apparent, there are special concerns with non-visible diversity dimensions like LGBTQ plus and some other physical disabilities that may not manifest themselves uh, outwardly. How do you collect and manage data for those kind of individuals? Um, Well, you're right. Our country has become a real melting pot, and we don't always know whether someone's ethnically or racially diverse even from their appearance. And uh, some LGBTQ plus members are open and others are not. And so we certainly want to make sure the full spectrum of people that qualify for the Mansfield rule are identified and known, yet we also obviously have to be careful from an employment standpoint, from a privacy standpoint, that we're being respectful of all of those things and not running afoul of any of our legal requirements. So um, for our firm, and I'm sure that a lot of the other firms have, uh, have developed systems for this, at the recruiting level, we are very open that we are Mansfield certified and that we're pursuing that program and we want to participate in that. And quite frankly, most of our candidates that are joining us are very excited about that. So we use the recruiting process as an opportunity where there's questions that are filled out. They don't have to answer the question, but they can. And most of the time they do identify and that becomes part of the HR file so that our our Mansfield task force has that information and is aware of the pool 
of people that qualify so that we can be tracking them. But it's definitely very sensitive. We certainly are not asking people, you know, in open forums, mm -hmm. but doing it discreetly and professionally in a way that makes it comfortable for them, I think is the, is what every firm has to figure out. Of course, in compliance with all HR issues and I'm sure, sure all of our employees, our employment lawyers scrub this one very right. well. <laughs> right. No, I know. I'm sure it's a delicate issue, but it sounds like you're primarily using self-identification for people that if they wish to identify with certain racial groups or uh, gender groups or some of the other types of things, they can they can self-identify that in a way that is, you know, kept confidential for other purposes, not broadcast. And it's important the that they understand what we're using the information for. Mm -hmm. So there's there's good communication on that. Gotcha. No, that makes that makes sense to me. Um, I know we're running out of time. I did want to ask, what's next? What what do you see coming in terms of evolution of the of the Mansfield rule? So, you know, I think the Diversity Lab has done a great job in continuing to evolve the Mansfield rule. I would. Um, expect that percentages are going to increase over time, the broader categories for the Mansfield rule as it applies for the law firm um, version. For the legal department edition that we've been talking about, I really think that there's an opportunity not only for the law firms that have signed on for this pilot to really best practice share and learn together. So you have uh, departments as big as U.S. Bank to as small as Compass Minerals and everything in between in sharing resources and fine-tuning them and really expanding that so that the legal department within a company can really be the shining star and be able to show their other colleagues in different departments, hey, here's how we handle diversity and here's how we've moved that forward and it really be embedded more into the overall corporate culture. So I'm really excited with what the Diversity Lab has done with the Mans both editions of the Mansfield Rule as well as the other initiatives that are going on through the ABA uh, and other general counsel sign-ons. Um, I think from the law firm perspective, we're going to do really well implementing the rule and we'll increase the promotions and we'll increase the uh, lateral hires of Mansfield qualified candidates. But my concern, and this was raised in a, in a CLE that Diana was speaking in on Mansfield earlier today, is what about retention? So we, get, we have candidates that come in and they're promoted or they're accepted and but then how do we retain them? Yeah. And so the retention piece of it, we really have to work closely with our, our legal department friends to make sure that the work is getting steered to the diverse candidates. And if the law firm is not rewarding the candidates well enough economically with the credit for the work that's coming through, they're not going to succeed and they're not going to be happy and they're going to leave and all the effort that we've put in to build right. the pipeline so that we can have people in leadership positions, diverse people in our leadership positions on a consistent basis, it's all going to fail. So what's next, I think, is really working more robustly on supporting the business generation and the credit for the diverse attorneys once they've made it through the promotion. Let's not forget them right. once they've gotten through the promotion. You know, and, yeah. and that is one of the greatest things about being a general counsel is I really feel my impact and my ability to impact our profession and truly the makeup of my company by really promoting and championing diversity and inclusion and sponsoring and pulling up others um, because it does make us a better profession. It makes us better lawyers. Makes us better companies, and honestly, it mirrors what our communities look like. And so, as we work to um, 
improve diversity and inclusion within the legal profession, I really think the payoffs are going to be incredible, both on a personal level as well as a a much broader one. Wonderful. Follow Diana's call to action. Yeah, I don't think we can. I don't think we can get a better wrap up than that. Thank you so much, Diana. Thank you for being here, Kathy. Thank you too. Thanks I for think it's a really up. important topic, um, and I appreciate you sharing those thoughts. And I hope our listeners have really gotten motivated uh, to do something in connection with the Manfield Rule. Um, so this was this was terrific. Um, I want to remind our listeners that previous episodes of the In-House Roundhouse are available on our website, WombleBondDickinson.com. You can also subscribe at iTunes. Google Play Store and SoundCloud. Um, Always welcome questions via LinkedIn, Twitter, or send me an email about this episode or future topics. Thanks everyone for listening. This is the In-House Roundhouse. See you at the next station. In-House Roundhouse is a production of Womblebond Dickinson. Brian Ewing is our producer and Robert Daughtry is our audio engineer.